صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 اي ام اند باليستاين ريمبرد وذ روبرت مارتن ناصر مشني اند يوسف احمد الريماوي Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, Yusuf. Good morning, Nasa. Good morning, men. How Good morning, are you all everyone. Today? Now, Nasa, what have we got on today on this special show? Um, we are first uh, coming down off the high of uh, my birthday yesterday. Um, Which so falls. <laughs> <laughs> And International Women's Day. Perfect. Yes, correct. <laughs> for God so loved women that he gave me, he gave them me for... <laughs> well, this is what I told my mother anyway. Um, so <laughs> But also it helps with our uh, gender ratio. Uh, yeah. So happy birthday on a serious note. Happy birthday for Wednesday, Nasa. Thursday, Friday. Friday. Yep. Sorry, Friday. Um, International Women's Day, I should know. Before, should before that, uh, did you make a wish? As in like well, Palestinian you know, wish? The, the, the standard. Applicable, <laughs> uh, applicable one. The standard, uh, standard Palestinian one? wish, yeah. Okay. Which is? Liberation. Next year in Jerusalem. Okay. <laughs> That's the way. Nice. Um, But uh, we've got, we're going to be joined a bit later on by um, Sarah Saleh, a fantastic Palestinian woman. A woman. Um, we'll introduce her a bit later on. But um, first, during the week, um, I attended the BDS Jewish Community Discussion, hmm. which was organized by the Australian Jewish Democratic Society. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. But we will uh, not forget uh, the Palestinian victory in Jerusalem uh, and the opening of Al-Rahma Gate, which has been closed or locked by Israel since 2003. Yeah, 14, 15 years now. Um, also, we'll talk about Hanin Zabi and um, her plans post uh, the, the upcoming election. And we might just touch on, if we get enough time, uh, just the IDF and their, their uh, uh, training programs they're doing now in sub-Saharan Africa. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, the AJDS uh, meeting... So it was a fantastic event. Um, I, I was fortunate enough that a meeting that I was involved in finished early, so I was able to get there. But Savan Barak um, and the Australian Jewish Democratic Society, they hosted four fantastic panelists. Um, Mah Sabawi, our um, wonderful Palestinian woman, uh, Dr. Jordi Silverstein, uh, Sahar Vadi, who is a um, uh, an Israeli Jewish activist from Jerusalem. She came in via Skype. And Alex oh. Fine, who I'd never heard of or seen before, but another really impressive uh, woman. Um, the best thing about this event um, was that it was a discussion. It wasn't a debate, which was fantastic because it allowed for a conversation to mm. organically develop. Um, Savan did a, a great job of um, moderating the event. Um, and what it, what it gave was an opportunity. And, and certainly there was quite a few Palestinians there. Overwhelmingly, the audience was Jewish. Um, but there were quite a few Palestinians there. It was great for us to see, um, well, Jews that were very much post-Zionist. You know, they were they were Bundists. They were um, um, very open to the discussion and understanding that differ a, a clear differentiation, a delineation between Zionism and Judaism. Mm. 
Um, and um, I, I'll particular note, and certainly one of the great takeaways for me was, firstly, was Geordie Silverstein um, talking about, you know, studying one, one of her, she's an academic, a PhD student, teaches uh, in, in um, Jewish culture and civilization, etc. And one of the questions was, well, you, how do you BDS, academic BDS, if you're... Um, mm. Um, can't work with Jewish institu- Israeli institutions. Yeah, well, that's the problem. Mm. Israel's created this space where it says that Israel is Jewish. There's a lot of Jewish history, a lot of Jewish culture that is not Israel. Mm. Israel's 70 years. You know, there's the wonderful Melbourne Jewish community. There's, you know, the mm. Sephardic communities. There's lots of research can be done on Jews that has got nothing to do with Israel. Even including uh, voices uh, who are Israeli, like uh, the uh, Israeli professor in Hebrew University, uh, Ofer Kassif, who said that today's Israel is similar to Nazi Germany, mm. just recently. So um, that was that was great. Um, Sahar Vadi from, from um, Jerusalem, you know, she was very strong on, um, you know, using her white uh, privilege, privilege to further... You know, and A, that it's not her position to tell the Palestinians what they can and can't do, but B, it's her responsibility as a human, as a, as an activist, to be led by Palestinians, hmm. but and to um, use that privilege to her advantage. If and she's at a checkpoint and a Palestinian's about to get arrested, and we know what that could mean for that Palestinian, she'll jump in and get arrested and in this place. There's a famous uh, picture of Sahar Vari, I think, uh, eight years ago of her rescuing a Palestinian boy mm-hmm. from being brutally uh, bashed by an Israeli uh, officer in uh, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And we had the pleasure to interview her in 2011. Yeah. So she spoke about you know, putting herself in the front line, uh, understanding that you know, the worst thing that's going to happen to her is in about two or three hours of detention, she's going to get um, to sit in front of a civil, a civil court as opposed to what might happen to a, a Palestinian Um, And then uh, Alex Fine, who spoke about her journey, you know, as an ardent Zionist, Mm. an Israel firster, if you will, to where she is today, understanding that, you know, expressing her Zionism as a Jewish attachment to a holy land, but accepting that Zionism as a settler colonialist uh, enterprise is a failure, that Israel doesn't represent Judaism, that um, uh, she accepts that she has no more right... And in fact, I, th- I would uh, think she even said that she's got no right to mm. land there. Mm. Uh, and particularly while uh, six million uh, Palestinians languish in refugee camps on top of the six plus million Palestinians that live in different stages of uh, depravity within all the lands that Israel um, controls. So over and all, a, a really fantastic evening. You know, big kudos and congratulations to the AJDES, to uh, Sivan and Yale. Uh, and all the all the other organisers, they did a fabulous job. Well, and uh, we should mention, of course, Sabah Sabawi was just brilliant, as usual, as we always expect. Um, she hit the ball out of the park. So that's excellent. Uh, very good, very good summary of the event. And uh, we'll for- forgive you for not recording because oh, oh. uh, you know. <laughs> I didn't, sh- shall we mention that uh, we expected Nasser to do some recording? Well, it would be fantastic what, to hear. What, what, whatever, you, these good <laughs> things about it. whatever you do, don't mention it because we wouldn't want our listeners to know that I let them down. No, <laughs> that's okay. Next okay, time. Because well, it's sure. your birthday, we won't actually tell them. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll leave it on the quiet and yeah, have lay down. Yeah, yeah. So uh, from Jerusalem, uh, um, we uh, saw the uh, opening of a gate which has been closed since 2003 during Ariel, uh, the uh, horrendous Ariel Sharon 
uh, era where he used uh, the circumstances to basically grab more land and to uh, Judaize more territories, especially in uh, Jerusalem, uh, by locking one of the holy uh, gates of Al-Aqsa complex. It, the name of the gate is Ar-Rahma, Ar-Rahma which means mercy. And when, when was this? So it was closed down? Closed down since 2003. Mm-hmm. 2003 until today? Yeah, Palestinian worshippers, Muslim worshippers were prevented from entering from this gate since 2003. And um, they even wanted more uh, by allowing uh, settlers uh, to uh, do uh, religious rituals, Jewish religious mm-hmm. rituals inside a Muslim uh, complex. And um, the Palestinians decided to um, just uh, resist this and uh, managed to break the locks and open the gate. They opened the gate. It was a a day of celebration, Mm -hmm. a day of celebration to the Palestinians of Jerusalem, a victory for everyone. Um, Luckily, we have in Jerusalem what we call in Arabic al-Tadayun al-Watani which is a form of being religious but is on issues of national agreement. So, for example, without without mentioning um, uh, the big elephant in the room of militant Islam in other uh, areas of the world, the type of religious institutions in Jerusalem particularly are very inclusive. They include non-religious Muslims, they include Christian Palestinians, they include anyone... As long as you agree on the national agenda, the agenda al-Wataniya, and these are issues of all agreement, uh, of agreement that all Palestinians will agree on, uh, and of course the issue of uh, stopping Judaization of Jerusalem, stopping uh, um, confiscating Christian and Muslim properties and lands is an issue of agreement. So they led, they spearheaded this movement and they managed to mobilize the troops peacefully, non-violently, peacefully, and breaking the um, Ar-Rahma gate. Um, we'll definitely um, go back to this in more depth because we, didn't, we don't have the figures and the names. I really want to mention names. I don't want to talk about the topic without mentioning... It's still some. open, though? So it's still open. open. It still be. open, but the Israelis are trying to close it again, and the, and the Waqf have said no, we were not going but to close since, it. But since the opening of the gate, um, Israel has arrested uh, pretty much all the names that were at uh, uh, who, who led mm-hmm. this and movement. Uh, to over, anyway. over two hundred already. Over two hundred already. So that's another. Thank you. I would like to say thank you to Jerusalem for making us Absolutely. feel proud again. And we should say that um, that members within Netanyahu's uh, coalition mm. have said that this provocation, you know, the Palestinians of course. opening the door to their own, uh, their own mosque, is this, provocation. This provocation should mm. be the um, uh, the trigger for an immediate uh, starting of construction of a uh, synagogue. Of course, inside uh, the Muslims, uh, right? Uh, 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 Rahma. Mm. So. Well, we'll have, look, with, with how things are going, with how lunatic the rogue state of Israel is, uh, is, is going, these calls, uh, they might sound um, uh, ridiculous, but I don't think they are uh, too ridiculous for a government like Netanyahu's. Not beyond the no, possibility. No way. No way. 
People don't even call them Speaking of the so. upcoming uh, elections. We should talk about Hanin Zabi, who came to Australia a couple of years ago, or probably about five that's, years ago. That's nine years ago. Nine years ago, Can really? you believe it? Yeah, 2010. <laughs> yeah. How do you remember all that? I was at Melbourne University. Okay, so, so I introduced a photographic her. Photographic mind, memory over here. Yeah. Well. well, she's a wonderful Palestinian woman, and we, we should endeavor one day to get her on the phone. Um, so she's um, not contesting the next uh, election, and one of the things she said is um, she wants to uh, work within the community to get them to have a better understanding of their rights and responsibilities and obligations, but also to strengthen um, the coalition mm. in, in the joint list so that to make sure that um, she's, well, we, Palestinians, um, are, are able to be represented in the best and most powerful way mm. um and look she, she she said some fantastic stuff just recently and and talks about the tensions between a democracy and ethnocracy um and this is particularly good she said you know the declaration of independence when israel was founded was very clear it said the principles of freedom justice and peace guided by the visions of the prophets of israel it will grant full equal social and political rights to all of its citizens regardless regardless of differences of religious faith race or sex. It will ensure freedoms of religion, conscience, language, education and culture. I mean, this is a, mm. a beautiful statement as a, as a... Theoretically speaking. Theoretically speaking. Mm. And, um, you know, we know what, what only that, too well where Israel sits today compared to that. What the, they did uh, in the coming uh, 71 years later. Well, you know, culminating in the Jewish nation state mm. law. Um, uh, Passing martial laws for Absolutely. 12 years against non-Jews. And... Martial law, of course, but nation-state law last year, saying that you know mm. this is the state is for Jews. Mm. Um, and one of the questions that was asked of her was, you know, how she reconciled the difference, you know, being a member of the Knesset, you know, and uh, you know Israel claims it's a democracy. You're a member of the Knesset, you know, so surely you're you're, you're actually proving that they're right. Mm. And she said, when the U.S. allowed African Americans to enter the bus, but insisted that they sit at the back. Was that equality? You're in the Knesset, but not in the seat where you can make any change to any, any difference. In this rhetorical bus, there are 85 racist laws that prevent us from making any difference. We can always sit in the lower positions. You can enter the bus, but you have to sit at the back. The bus you enter grants special privileges to Jews. You can shout, but you don't have anything like the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution protect you. There is racism. There are racist articles, but there is no constitution to protect our rights. Mm. Um, that's powerful very powerful yeah so it's not equality you, you can get on the bus you just got to sit at the back you can just uh yeah decide the future um and look she closed the interview and this is where she gets really strong sorry you just have to cut you off there is no democratic way of being a jewish state zionism is a colonial ideology and the only way to have a democracy is to disconnect the state from zionism we envisage a democracy we don't say you have to come come as colonialists now you must leave we say you came as colonialists, but now you have a chance to live with us. And we would rec- like to recognize you as a collective, but within a state which doesn't identi- identify you exclusively, but which identifies with me and you in the same degree. Hmm. It's now, impossible to argue with that. Yeah. I mean, that's If you want to apply logic only. Well, that's, yeah. she, she actually said you should start voting for the Ballad Party. She said, you know, you didn't have a, you didn't have a choice to live in an apartheid racist state. You were born here. But nobody says that you have to keep voting that way. Mm. Vote ballad. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the definition of ethnocracy. 
Well, um, Alex Fine on Wednesday night at the BDS Jewish Community Discussion actually called Israel a theocratic kleptocracy. Theocratic being um, a religious one-person head type thing, and what they call um, Iran a theocracy, and a kleptocracy, which is where people are stealing, well, the top is stealing from yeah. everybody. So like a kleptomaniac. It's a fantastic word. Sorry. Fantastic word. Now, we better move along before we run out of time. We've got Sarah coming up uh, in a few moments. Sarah Saleh. So yes. Stay tuned. Stay with us. I would like to welcome Sarah on our show. So Sarah, welcome to Palestine Remembered. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. Ha- uh, well, what about Yusuf and Nasser? <laughs> well, hello, Nasser. <laughs> we are all here. Happy, Thank you all happy, for having me. <laughs> happy International Women's Day. And uh, as a fantastic Palestinian woman, we, uh, we can't wait to hear from you about Palestinian women and just how important they are to Palestine and our struggle. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so um, we, we thought rather than ask you any question, what we want, to, we want you to tell our listeners, um, A, about what you do and, and um, the challenges you face, but also the successes but also, if you can, just you know, talk about some other Palestinian women too, and and what they've done, and what we've seen uh, along the journey. Sure. If I may, I would just like to take a minute to um, talk about. You know, you mentioned uh, it's International Women's Day, and I think it would be remiss of me to start this without acknowledging the fact that, unfortunately, even though what is supposed to be a celebratory, you know, happy day, happy week, um, a month of, of celebrating and honoring women, uh, what we've seen is unfortunately um, another very tragic and very callous death at the hands of, of a partner, a male partner. So, I've, of course, I'm referring to the death of Preeti Reddy, um, who's a Sydney-based sister here, and she was tragically murdered earlier this week at the hands of her partner. Um, I think, you know, I would really love to take the opportunity to celebrate, but I, I think it's very difficult to do that when that is, of course. Um, you know, of course, at the back of, of all our minds and really should be front and center and highlight exactly what it is, you know, we're, we're doing here. It reminds us of why Women's Day is necessary, but also why, um, you know, it doesn't just stop, start and stop within this 24-hour window, but it is something that we are doing and working on tirelessly behind the scenes as well as front and center to ensure that um, this violence uh, against uh, against women is, is stopped and that women feel safe, um, you know, in, in their own neighborhoods, in, in, the, in the communities uh, that they're from and, in, and across this country. Especially so that we I, also I, I, lost Aya Masarwe in January. Absolutely. Exactly right. And I think that that's another um, case in point, of course, of a very um, horrible, uh, you know, death that, that uh, happened. And, and they're both, uh, may they rest in, in peace and power, they're both gone too soon, I think. Um, and this is this exactly speaks to, to the situation um, at hand, doesn't it? That, you know, we can have a day such as International Women's Day, um, but really, it's... it's um, it's at this point it will only be seen as symbolic and as lip service and as tokenistic if it's not backed by real action um you know at at the at the heart of it and i think what we need to be seeing is governments um you know being more responsive um not cutting funds to you know women's shelters and domestic violence services but actually um you know um doing more on that and also just really changing the culture and how we shift 
this culture to make us more cognizant of the the power, the asymmetry of power between um, men and 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 women. And uh, you know, uh, I think that that's something that uh, we need to be really focused on in the in the coming years. Well, yeah. And just before we turn it to a Palestine context, I mean, we only have to look yeah. domestically where, you know, Tony Abbott appointed himself Minister for Women. You know, where... How <laughs> absurd. <laughs> look at the... Yeah, uh, that's, yeah I, I think that's reflective, isn't it, of, yeah. of exactly the sentiments. They, they don't take us seriously. It's a joke to them. Yeah. Mm. And then if, if we, you know, extrapolate that to um, the, the, the reality of domestic violence and, you know, the, the sad death uh, during the week of... Um, uh, Priya, that something like one woman is murdered by her domestic, uh, by her partner uh, every Correct. six days. I mean, you know, yeah. if, you, if you talk about that in the context of, okay, the woman that was murdered, but how many were abused physically, mentally? Verbally. You know, all, all of the stages of abuse that get to the point where one person, one woman is murdered, how many hundreds and thousands are uh, uh, uh. Correct. And I mean, look, uh, this violence doesn't just happen at the hands of, of men. We know that this is also the case with um, state settler colonial violence against black and brown bodies. And of course, women of color and black women are at the forefront of that as well. We see that here um, in Australia with the deaths in custody. Uh, we see that um, with the high incarceration rates of, of black women. Uh, we see that with the very visible, um, you know, the, the Islamophobia that is, is very visible. Um, attacking and highlighting Muslim women, for example, and women of color. And I think, of course, uh, this also goes to um, Israel and its own settler colonial violence against uh, Palestinian women there. Um, you know, it's, it's for me, it's, uh, it's very telling that in the same week as us celebrating that just last week Khalid al-Jarrad was released from the Palestinian legislator after being held that's correct. Khaled Ajarad, who is a Palestinian legislator, um, was held in administrative detention, that is, in an Israeli prison without trial or charges for two whole years. Hmm. And we saw very little from Western mainstream, you know, white feminists um, to support her cause and, and here in Australia as well. So I think that that's something that, you know, is also very telling of where we're at in terms of uh, the so-called uh, intersectionality of feminism. It, it stops when it comes to Israel and it stops when it comes to Khaled Ajarad and Zareen Tatur, unfortunately. So, Sarah, uh, maybe uh, this is a good thread uh, for us and the listeners to know a little bit more about yourself. We can introduce you, but we want you to directly speak to the listeners and introduce yourself and tell us about the work you do for Palestine. Sure. So, uh, in brief, I'm a human rights campaigner and I'm a writer and a poet and a law student. Uh, and I and I work uh, with the Australia Palestine Advocacy Network, um, and what that what I do there is as a campaigner, I'm I'm uh, involved in sort of lobbying for justice for Palestine and human rights uh, and equality for Palestine here in Australia. So uh, what that means is that there's a lot of um, you know lobbying and advocacy and and media messaging um, behind the scenes as well as uh, taking care of the digital platforms with ATEN. Um, I think I'm very lucky and privileged to be able to wear multiple hijabs and do what I do. Um, I think I take that as a, you know, I take that as a responsibility. I think that um, 
each of us is responsible to reflect and deconstruct our own privilege and then use that to sort of create awareness and push for justice and fight in, in you know oppression in the different ways that we can and I'm very lucky to be able to do that as I mentioned through my roles as a, as a writer as a human rights campaigner um, through APEN and and also through my role as a board member on get up which is um, Australia's probably largest uh, advocacy mm. uh, organization nationally speaking tell us about the challenges that you face in doing so I mean you know I think that uh, there are probably a couple of things that as a as a woman and as a visible Muslim woman of color that I in, you know inevitably face in the multiple roles that I um, that I'm in involved in and first and foremost it is very um, there's a cost I think it's very draining um, to be someone who speaks out um, in in the environment that we're in there's a cost uh, it's a high cost especially for women of color and black women to be speaking to things uh, you know such as you know society's illnesses so to speak um, we know that uh, there's uh, there's uh, structural inequalities that there are uh, systems uh, you know of racism and of capitalism and of patriarchy and misogyny that interact to keep us um, you know uh, to preclude us from participating to the full extent that we can because of course um, it benefits those in power to do that and to stay in power so for me you know if I'm speaking out um, it means I'm probably going to attract a lot of um, demonization a lot of dehumanizing trolling and cyberbullying and comments um, you know that are personally attacking me. But also, generally speaking, just pick up, you know, a paper and you'll see something usually that's that's offensive or that's um, uh, racist and bigoted against Muslim women or Muslims generally. So it is definitely very tiring to exist in this space, um, to constantly be deconstructing and, and decolonizing um, and trying to fight, uh, you know, because that's that's it is incumbent upon us. It is not a luxury. It is not a choice. It's it's a, it's an it's a duty. Um, but at the same time, sometimes when you're very tired, you just want to take the time off to heal and to resist and to build and to create. And unfortunately, we don't always get that. Our, you know, our, that choice, our, our existence is political. So, um, Sarah, thanks for that. How about, do you want to make a comment about um, the parallels between what Ilhan Omar is going through in, uh, in Washington? Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly the point, isn't it? I find it ironic that, um, to quote uh, Palestinian-American poet Remy Kenazi, uh, that in two whole years, the Democrats haven't fought against the Republicans as hard as they have, you know, the first black Muslim woman in Congress um, because of, of her statements supporting uh, Palestine and drawing it to question, um, you know, and critically so, uh, the, the influence of the Israeli um, slash Zionist Jewish lobby in, in the U.S. and their influence on politics. So it's very, again, it's very um, telling, isn't it, uh, where, where they mm. stand? Well, I mean, interestingly, the, the, the Democratic Party met and they were going to raise a... Uh, um, a motion, yeah. arguably uh, vague enough that it wasn't directly implicating her, but you know uh, enough that we knew they were going to out her, and it, it fell over. I mean, we had you know Bernie speak out against it, a few other you know the 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 support came to her from the people of colour within the Democrat Party. So, 
That's right. Yeah, and I think that they understand very well that there is a deliberate, consistent effort Mm. by, you know, for example, in the U.S., Uh, But as well as in places like France, you would have seen where there's a deliberate effort to conflate um, anti-Semitism with anti-Zionism, as we well and truly know, Mm -hmm. to silence and stifle all criticism. And I I think that it's it's at times like this where we need to make sure that we're very clear and we're working together with allies, um, whether it is, for example, Jewish Voice for Peace or, or as you mentioned, um, allies, individual allies, um, to ensure that that conflation does not happen, that no state is above um, critique, uh, particularly when that state is very uh, flagrantly involved in human rights abuses on a Mm. daily basis and is flouting international law. Now, Sarah, we're heading towards this fabulous interview, uh, towards the end. Uh, But uh, I want to end from a message from you to Palestinian mothers, wives, daughters, sisters, whether here in Australia, around the world, the refugees, or inside our beloved Palestine. And you have about 90 seconds. (laughs) Well, what I would say is that at the end of the day, if we're not driven by love, if our movement is not driven by high ethics and integrity, um, we we should definitely always remember that it's at the heart of what we do and at the root of what we do. If we're not fighting for love, then what are we fighting for exactly? And I will say um, very quickly that um, I stopped you know, talking to or performing for a white audience a very long time ago. And I strongly urge us as Palestinians in Australia to um, also join the fight and support for um, a treaty. Uh, you know, that's what Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women, sisters and communities call for. I think it's a high time that we also um, make sure that we're not silent anymore because silence is complicity. That was Sarah Saleh from Sydney. Thank you very much, Sarah, for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And with that, that's the end of this week's show. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to listen to us next week.